I analyze dreams to keep my head level Strip mining the system to stare at the devil A whiny voice flexing but it got no real power You tell them to flee and they'll be gone in an hour One words are like brass knuckles connecting to y'all's jaws of glass I ain't losing, I don't lose, so fight fair This is for the real ones who ears are open, no they're here There's a reason my voice comes through while you're sitting here Something gets a fine tooth, a bump on your way to work And other know the spirit is hitting in, so let it work Yeah Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you are tuned into Glory Podcast. I'm your host, Monk. Today's episode, we're getting in for part one of a partner episode with my most recent book, Reclaiming the Man, A Rough Guide to Knowing Your Divine Self. And so every couple of weeks, I'll have an episode now that partners with a section or a concept in the book. So if you have the book, um, this will enrich your reading experience. If you don't have the book, go get a copy of the book. And this isn't some scheme for me to make money off of. Trust me, I'm not making a whole lot of money off of this. But it is a way to enhance your experience and is a way I gen- genuinely think that this book will help you. Especially if you're a dude, especially if you're a dude who's a believer and trying to figure out this walking with Christ thing that you got going on, it will help you. But even if you're not a believer, this might open you up to a different realm of experience and just give you different ideas to consider in how to operate (laughs) in this thing we call life. Um, If you're not a dude, it will still help you. If you're a woman, like I say in the book, it will help you out because although it's primarily aimed at men, there's a lot of concepts in the book that will just help you in your general day-to-day practice of being a better human or being a better Christian. And it may help you understand those men that are in your life, your son, your brother, your husband, your father, etc. And so that is my encouragement. So this, um, this episode, let's just get into it. So I'll lead with a couple of stories, you know, there's this concept of twins, twinning, right? We dress up or you, you know, have this circumstance where you go to work one day, perhaps maybe, or you go somewhere, some day you see someone, you know, and lo and behold, you're wearing the same outfit or you're wearing the same shirt and everyone's like twinning, Now, there's a couple of things that happen when you're twinning. One is like, there's there's two ways you can react, okay? Let's break it down that way. Two ways you can react. One, you can be like, oh, that's so cool and be genuinely happy because you feel seen because someone else has dressed like you, has worn the same outfit, worn the same shirt, worn whatever, and it was unplanned, let's say. But you feel seen, you feel recognized, you feel validated because of that, right? And anyone have that experience, just put your put your little invisible hand up right now. I've done that before. It's pretty cool. It's a cool feeling, right? It can be in that regard because it's like, oh, 
I'm not the only one who thinks this is cool or thinks this shirt is rad or thought this outfit was popping. Someone else did too, and that's cool. Makes you feel good. Makes you feel validated. Makes you feel respected. And we all desire those things. But there's another way you could react where all of a sudden you feel some offense rise up in your heart. You're like, oh, I thought I had picked out this outfit from the sense of being super unique. I didn't want to be grouped in with another person. I wanted to stand out as an individual. And now you have a fence in your heart because you were twinning with somebody through accidentally. You are both wearing the same outfit, same shirt, same whatever. And it rises up within you this feeling that you're not as unique as you think you are. Two ways of reacting that way. And I could be honest, I've had that experience in a lot of, you know, in both ways. Just being real about it. So, and oftentimes it's said, you know, we have these concepts between the good twin and the evil twin. You know, you think Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, for instance. You have, you know, I'll read some list of biblical examples uh, from my book. You know, <clears throat> if we start getting into twin stories, stories of twins or family members. All right, we got Cain and Abel. We got Abraham and Lot, Sarah and Hagar, Isaac and Ishmael. We're not even through Genesis yet. And we've got all these examples. Esau and Jacob. And there you go, more brothers. We have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. It's still in the book of Genesis, right? So we have all these stories at the very beginning of the Bible. Again, one of the oldest books in history. Also, so the context that frames a lot of the stories that are told in our human history and the history of our human experience are framed by these stories of tr twins or these stories of brothers, of family members who they're coming from the same place. They have a lot of similarities, but there is some type of conflict. So you could use another example, for instance, if we think of another ancient text, those of you who are familiar with the Epic of Gilgamesh, we have Gilgamesh and Enkidu, another example that fits into that archetype. Uh, another popular example, though, and it's with the rise of the Marvel Universe in film and TV, now, this has been around for a while If you, for all you comic book nerds out there like me. Um, it's Thor and Loki. Again, two brothers. Very different. Twins, if you will. They're not actually twins, but they're brothers. And that relates back again to these Nordic and Norse myths where... Thor and Loki actually come from in that tradition. But again, I want to point you back to these stories of a culture, these stories of a way of telling 
and communicating the human experience for this whole Norse and Nordic culture or framed around two of the main characters being these two brothers in conflict. Very interesting, right? So, let me share with you a couple of stories of my own where I've had these cases of mistaken identity. Fun story. Story number one <laughs> goes back to uh, when I was in high school. So I wasn't a bad kid in high school. I wasn't like I wasn't malicious. I wasn't purposely looking out to go and do bad things. However, I was a knucklehead. I was very stubborn. I still am very stubborn. I'm working on that, though. And I was rebellious, you know. I had a streak of rebelliousness in me. Okay, so, you know, I was real into basketball. Those of y'all who know me, real into basketball, high-level basketball player. Was all about ball in high school. Played a little bit in college. And then a combination of just mental exhaustion, physical injuries, and you know, some mental health stuff I was going through, through, I ended up, my college uh, basketball career was short-lived, but say all that to say that, um, so I'm in high school, you know, I'm all about ball and I'm all about, I got to get in the gym and get my work in. So, you know, I'd made friends with uh, one of the, the janitors, one of the maintenance guys that whose area was, you know, our, our main gym where all the games were played. And then this, we had this weight room, adjacent to it and so oftentimes you know i'd be up there he'd be closing out his shift if he had the late shift and you know he'd he'd just let me in let me in let me do my thing you know work out get shots up whatever no questions asked no harm done now sometimes i needed to get in a gym he wasn't there the place was locked down well here was the deal uh, the place was really easy to get into. Let's just put it that way. Like, even if the doors were locked, you could get in relatively easily. So I used that as a justification to say, oh, well, the door was unlocked. But really, let's just be honest. I, I figured out this way to pop a lot, to pop the lock and get in the gym, even if it was supposedly locked. Now I wasn't in there doing anything. I wasn't in there stealing stuff. I was just in there trying to get some shots up because I was a baller. So, you know, looking back, I'm like, oh, they have me on camera doing this stuff, and no one ever called me out on it, right? No one ever calls me out on okay. I'm in here in the gym, and they know that, you know, this dude, this um, maintenance guy who worked that area, name's Fred. They knew Fred would let me into the building sometimes, too. Well, I had this instance where there was a report. Now, I wouldn't go in at, at weird hours. I wouldn't break, it, break in and go up in there, you know, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, nothing like that. So this dude, um, they have these weird, there's a bunch of stuff missing one day. Let me backtrack. There's a bunch of stuff I'm missing one day from that area. And <clears throat> they go talk to this dude, Fred, the maintenance guy who would let me in, who I was friends with. And <clears throat> they had it in their head, which, of course, they, ha they had me, you know, on camera moving in and out of that building. 
sometimes. They didn't have cameras like in the building, but they knew that I would go in and out there and they, they had they had me on camera like popping popping the lock on the door and getting in the building. But they never um prosecuted me or never filed charges because they're like, Oh, this is this this is harmless. This dude's just going in there and, and doing work and leaving. Well, one day they have a bunch of there's a bunch of stuff missing from the building. Like someone had gotten into that building and taken a bunch of stuff, you know, taking a bunch of equipment. I get think there's some like camera equipment or stuff missing because what would happen is if you got in the main building and all the other doors weren't locked in, you could just go, you know, you had access to basically everything unless it was locked. Now you could lock all of those doors up and then basically the only thing you'd be able to do is go into the gym. But I guess whatever happened, a person broke in and so they interview Fred and the Fred's like, well, the only other, the only person that that comes in there is this dude this dude matt who um and he wasn't in there that day and he said well did you see anyone else around that area well he's like well when i came back so what would happen is a lot of times in the evenings um the the maintenance guy he would leave that site because he had another site he had to go lock up and this is what would happen like i'd get out of the track practice or something and i walked down to the gym and he was about ready to start locking it up and what he would do is he would let me in let me get up some shots let me get in some work and then he would go lock up one of the other buildings over on another campus and then he would come back over and then lock the building up and that was my sign when he came back over okay hey i gotta get out of here buildings closed well um he came back over and you know i wasn't there that day but there was someone else in there and he was like i'd never seen that person before in the building the building was locked up and the person told him his name was david monk (laughs) and so you know my principal calls me in the next day he's like hey you broke what well, you broke into the field house and you stole a bunch of stuff. I'm like, no, I didn't. Like, what are you talking about? They're like, well, Fred, uh, well, Fred, the maintenance guy said there was a, some person in there named David Monk and they caught him in there when he wasn't supposed to be in there. I'm like, I'm like, I know Fred and Fred knows me. So why would it be me? And they're like, well, it must've been your evil twin and that's what i told him i was like it must have been my evil twin anyway man they got that all sorted out but yeah they were um they were pretty upset about that situation but it all goes back to you know um me in and of myself i had this notion of doing the right thing and just wanting to get my work in well however there's this other person who may or may not have looked like me who used my name <clears throat> and obviously they didn't know my name <laughs> or, but they knew the last name well enough to try to use that to get enough permission to not to not get caught doing something put the blame on me but i used that and said well it must have been my evil twin and then that ended up getting me in more hot water anyway they ended up settling this this situation that I was in. But the point being, 
the evil twin part. I said that. But we have this notion, right? There's a good part of us and a bad part of us. There's a part of us that wills to do good, and then there's a part of us that looks looks out for itself and is only looking for self-preservation or is looking to place blame and not be held accountable. Okay, so like in this situation, I had nothing to hide from. I hadn't done anything wrong. However, I had been doing some things that, you know, I could justify like, oh, just breaking into the gym and getting in that work and getting out because I'm not doing any harm, you know, kids being kids, so to speak. And I was allowed for a kid to be a kid until, right, someone else did the same thing I was doing, but then they took advantage of the situation, made some stuff disappear. I still don't know who that person is or was, but a person going around town using my name, right? Another story. So, you know, in the coaching world, I just moved to this new area. You know, I'm coaching in a different part of the state and I'm at these track meets, right? And these people keep coming up to me, starting conversations. So all these people, and it's not just at one track meet, it's at like multiple track meets. All these people come up to me, people that I don't know, and they're starting conversations. And I'm like, bro, what, like, who, like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. This happens to me over and over again. They're like, aren't you, you know, and I'm not going to say the person's name. Aren't you so-and-so? I'm like, no, who's that? Like, whoa, I'm sorry, there's this there's this guy and you look just like him and da 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 and you know he had been working over here and we thought that he had you know I'd heard that he switched schools and we thought you were him because he switched schools and I'm like, No, I'm not that guy. Well, you look just like him and your your voice kind of sounds like him and it's just like whoa. So, you know, the response, well, maybe he's my evil twin. Or maybe I'm his evil twin. But it's this inter- interesting notion, right? We think we're unique and we are unique. And we have this person and this personality that's in and of ourselves who we are and who we think we are. Yet, we're not as unique as we think we are according to the world around us and that's okay but why would why would i say oh hey maybe that's my evil twin what are we really talking about is because when situations like this occur it gets to the core and the nature of your identity right who are you and a lot of times you can take offense or get irritated Like in this situation, I was getting irritated by people coming up and starting these conversations with me because I'm like, you're talking to me and you think you know me, but you don't know me, but you have me mistaken for this other person, right? You have me mistaken for this other person. So when you're walking up to me, you're coming at me with all these assumptions that you've made about me and I haven't been allowed to formulate who that I am to you. Same thing in this 
other story I told you about a person knew me in my community and then used my name to try to do some unsavory things, which ended up, I didn't necessarily get in bad trouble, but I had to deal with, you know, going in and out of the principal's office for the next four or five days until it finally got resolved. The thing is, if we refer back to all these stories I was talking about, you know, Cain and Abel, Abraham and Lot, Loki and Thor. When we are talking about stories, when we are talking about things in that realm, we're really talking about ourselves. It's not just the outward appearance It's not just about the stories. The stories are actually a a reflection of the inward world in which we exist and in which we're navigating through. So why really was this dude using my name to try to get by with something? You know, and even though the administrative staff knew that I was friends with the janitor and janitor was like, oh, the person that I rolled in there was not Matt. I don't know who the person was, but they told me their name was this. They still pulled me in and questioned me and did all this other stuff. Now, granted, I had been sneaking into the gym, so if I hadn't have been doing that, it wouldn't have been an issue to begin with, but that's another topic. Or, in the same vein, these other people thought I was this other person, and because they thought I was this other person, right, they had this whole history, this whole background, and then to me, I'm getting irritated because I'm having to respond to these people. Even in just those situations, when you see a part of yourself reflected back at you, but it is not necessarily what you expect to see or what you want to see, or if it's something you don't like what you see, again, that is telling you a story about yourself. It's not about the other person, it's about yourself. So, These aspects of twins or brothers or family members that are against one another, at odds with one another, it's really a story. It's really a way of communicating about the different sides of your nature. You have an ego. You have a spirit. You have an eternal part of yourself, and you have a part of yourself that's geared towards survival, a.k.a. your ego, And your ego is only worried about preserving itself, right? In the Bible, they call this word, the flesh comes from the Greek word, sarks. And it's not just your physical body. All that word is relating to is anything that is temporal, temporary, bound to a temporary circumstance, right? That's what flesh is. So your ego a.k.a. the evil twin, is only concerned with preserving itself in the now. It's only concerned with surviving. It wants comfort, and it wants what it wants right now. There is no future in terms of your ego or the flesh. It wants what it wants right now. I mean, it's like the toddler who wants to eat the candy thir- you know, 13 minutes before dinner. 
and then throws a fit and breaks a bunch of toys because it doesn't get what it wants, or you cave and give the toddler the candy, and now the toddler does not is not hungry, has had no nutrition, and then fast forward a couple hours, it's bedtime, or they've gone to bed, and then all of a sudden they're waking up in the middle of the night hungry because they haven't had any real food to eat. That's what the flesh is like. That's what we mean when we talk flesh. It's not your physical body. But this, in essence, is like the evil twin, the ego. Right, only concerned with temporary circumstance, only concerned with preserving itself. The problem is in this aspect of self preservation, only looking at what's temporary, it actually ends up destroying itself. The real thing is, is that the ego, the flesh, is never meant to be your master. It's a tool and service of your spirit, but our society and all the frameworks and systems we have built up around it encourages us to live that way, where the flesh and the ego is the master, but it was never designed to be the master. It's supposed to be a tool and service of your spirit. So a lot of this comes from realizing that, recognizing it, and then flipping it on its head and living backwards. All right, living with your spirit in the lead. Now, that ego, that flesh is a great tool in service of the spirit if you keep things in the proper alignment. So, there are a bunch of different examples we could look at in terms of this. I'll talk about, let's talk about Cain and Abel. Yeah. Let's do that one. We'll do a little bit of Cain and Abel, then we'll wrap this thing up. Um, But I'm reading from the book right now because it's something to consider. Because again, when we're talking about twins, evil twin, the good twin, the bad twin, the good brother, the bad brother, again, these are all reflections of our own inner workings. As um, my friend Bill says, he's like, The Bible is not a book that you read. It is a book that reads you. All right. So when we're looking at these stories and these concepts, we're not just looking at the characters. We're actually looking at our own inner workings. So in my book right here, just to read this to you, and then we'll get going into Cain and Abel. When we see ourselves in another, what does it cause us to think about ourselves? Are we compassionate? Are we judgmental? Do we laugh? Do we offer criticism? Do we embrace the aspect of ourselves being exposed? Or do we shut the person out of our lives and label them as the other? So, let's see what happens here. So, we have Cain, we have Abel, and we're all familiar with the story. Um. If you want to go back and read that, then go to the, it's Genesis, the fourth chapter. You can go read that, take a deep dive into it. And, you know, it's interesting if you guys have read Beowulf, for example. Most of y'all had to read that when you're a senior in high school or when you were a senior in high school. So if you had to read that, it says that Grendel, the monster that's terrorizing the village that Beowulf comes to help and says, well, 
Beowulf or um, Grendel, the monster, is a descendant of Cain. All right, and so in essence, it's saying, "Oh, he's cursed because he comes from this line." So even that, thousands of years later, we're still riffing on this idea of Cain and Abel. So was Cain a bad dude? Was Cain initially a bad dude? No, nah, wasn't a bad dude. Was Abel just a better dude? No. Nah. But, you know, it's perfectly natural among siblings to have some type of sibling competition because what are we competing for? From the aspect of two siblings, right, they're competing for their parents' time, their parents' attention, their parents' praise, their, the pride bestowed upon them by their parents, Right? Kids naturally want to feel like they're doing a good job and they want their parents to tell them they're doing a good job. They also want their time. They also want their attention. So if one brother or the other brother feels like they're lacking in that area, it's very natural for brothers or siblings, as it were, to try to do things to compensate and win those affections of their parents in one way or another. And this is more or less what's going on with Cain and Abel. And then we apply this to a relationship with God, right? We'll, we'll do anything for a lot of us. We'll do anything to feel like we're earning our place with God. We're earning God's pride. But here's the thing. You can't earn anything with God. God already did it for you. Okay. You're not earning God's favor. You're not earning your own salvation. You're not earning the blessings that are bestowed upon you. God gives those to you as a free gift. And now that you know that you are blessed, you have the freedom to go out and do the good work. See, this is the thing. Neither of the brothers really understood. All right. So Cain and Abel, they're two brothers. Here's the context. You know, you can think of all the different things siblings go through but like god asked him hey go offer a sacrifice abel offers a sacrifice and it's deemed acceptable cain offers a sacrifice and it's not deemed acceptable and we can think of all the different concepts as to why is that you know, some people say, oh, it's because he offered vegetables or fruit and Abel offered an animal sacrifice. And some people are like, well, it wasn't because that. It was because it was the condition of Cain's heart when he offered the sacrifice versus the condition of Abel's heart when he offered the sacrifice. I'm not really worried, too concerned about that. My own personal opinion as if you go back and read the text, though, is it seems like Abel offered him the first fruits or the best of what he had. Whereas Cain offered something, but it wasn't his first consideration to give back to God. It was more of, okay, I'll give back to God because it's what I'm supposed to do, right? Kind of like in Western culture, we're supposed to go to church on Sunday, check that off our box, cross that T, dot that little I cross it off the box, 
but we're not really giving the best of ourselves to that. And it's regardless of whether you go to a church service or not, although being in community is important. But whatever, this situation causes an offense between the brothers. Okay. And so, obviously, we know what happens. Cain kills his brother out of jealousy, out of anger, out of, let's just think of it this way. I'm trying to earn my parents or I'm trying to earn God's respect. I'm trying to earn pride in that. And the very thing that I'm trying to so hard to do, my brother did it better. Now I'm not being seen. So if I get rid of my brother, now I'm the only one that can be seen, right? It's terrible. It's a terrible thing. But let's, let's compare these two brothers to parts of our own self, right? When we're comparing parts of ourself, we call those archetypes. You know, you, you might hear them, be, hear them be used as examples, but it's something known as an archetype. Right, a pattern of common symbolism or a motif that runs throughout different historical periods, different types of literature. So these twins, right, or these brothers, um, these are a type of archetype that relate to the two sides of our nature, the different sides of our nature, right? The ego and the spirit or the, the flesh and the spirit. So what's really happening here? Abel archetype spirit right offering the best of itself first to god cain representing the flesh concerned with what's in the temporary circumstance not looking forward as to the consequences of what actually would happen if he kills his brother because it actually pushes what he desires further away from him and It creates this chain reaction, these events, this cycle of violence that continues throughout the history of mankind. But he doesn't see it that way. He's like, if I get my brother out of the way, I'll I'll get all the all the stuff that I'm looking for, right? Well, maybe, maybe physically you obtain those things, but you look at the consequences that you sir in the or so in the unseen realm, and eventually those things come to bear out in the natural realm beyond you. But let's look at it this way. Cain is the ego, the flesh, Abel, the spirit. So, in this instance, right, we see this picture of God prefers the offering of your spirit, your essence to him first. And it's through that that the flesh or the ego will get along. In this story, though, we have an example, speaking in terms of archetypes, of the flesh killing the spirit. And then what happens? Right. One, we have the first murder. Now we have this whole cycle of violence that continues throughout the history of mankind. All right, the flesh killed the spirit. So this is where the order of things has been flipped upon its head and mankind has been living that way for a long time. So you got to flip it back 
to live where the spirit leads first and it is not in service to the flesh because the spirit in service to the flesh what happens every time the flesh is going to try to kill the spirit well when the flesh kills the spirit or the illusion where you put the flesh the temporary the survival instinct first it creates all these negative negative circumstances so that's the first lesson right we're talking about twins are you the evil twin are you the good twin you're both that's the trick that's the magic you are a a fleshly being with the body you know and in a realm where there's a lot of temporary things happen happening and that's not bad but you also are an eternal being as well and so you have to be a full human engaging both sides of your nature and keeping them in the correct order and keeping the correct perspective because if you focus only on the eternal and only on the spirit and only on the unseen things you'll be useless in the real world the world in front of you the world like you know of solid material things like me pounding this table in front of me. So these spiritual concepts, they have to have some teeth and they have to have an apparatus at which to land in the physical world. However, if your focus is only on the physical, only on the flesh, only on the things that are temporary right in front of you, again, the flesh will kill, kill the spirit and you're only living as half of the person that you are. So the reality is that Cain and Abel, as examples of ourselves, Cain and Abel were both brothers. They're both members of the same household. Right? Cain could have went to his brother and said, Hey, how do I offer a sacrifice in the appropriate manner? Abel could have also went to his brother and said, Hey, brother, I noticed that in your sacrifice you're doing this. Here, do this instead, right? And they could have been reconciled in their union, helping each other out. The, fle- the physical, the flesh, the temporary, and the spiritual, and both recognizing that they're members of Adam's family. Right? So your prayer life, the things that you do eternally, they're not really at war with the physical, the temporary, the survival instinct. They're not at war. They're two aspects of your nature. You can't put one aside and only focus on one. They have to be in the correct order. You have to acknowledge, hey, I have the potential in my ego, in my flesh, to do some really, really bad things. I have the potential to commit atrocities given the right type or wrong type of circumstances. I also have the capacity to create really, really amazing acts that could help the world given the correct form of circumstances. I'm also an eternal being walking around 
on a planet where there's a lot of temporary stuff going on. And the trick behind all of this, it's not a trick, but it might help you, is integrating those two sides of your nature. And that is what we're talking about when we're talking about twins, brothers, archetypes. So are you the evil twin? Are you the good twin? You're both. And really, neither one is evil and neither one is good. They both have different functions, different purposes. Learn to integrate them both, ladies and gentlemen. And that is all I got for today. So go get this book, Reclaiming the Man, A Rough Guide to Knowing Your Divine Self. Again, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast. If you take a picture of that, email it to uh, glowrymusic at gmail.com. Email a snapshot of that, and I'll enter you into a drawing to receive a free copy of the book if you don't have it. If you do have it already, right, get that get that free copy, and you can give it to someone else. And as always, keep doing what you're doing. Make sure your focus is in the right area, the right arena. Peace and blessings to you from the Most High. It's your boy, Monk, and I'm out.